It's playoff time, and the road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines, with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. Who says the Astros window is closing? It's open right here on Believe in Astros. What's up, H Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Here's Bulky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode 101 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Bulky flying solo today. I know it's been a minute, uh, but we're back with a vengeance as pitchers and catchers are scheduled to report in just two weeks. Can you believe it? Honestly, it's difficult for me to believe. Uh, it has been a very interesting uh, winter. And we are going to dig into a bunch of items today. Uh, first, I want to start with a note about Billy Wagner not making the Hall of Fame. Okay, so this is his ninth attempt. He missed by five votes, right? Um, so here's the thing. And I, I talked about this. I was on uh, Houston Matters on KUHF 88.7. I'm on there Mondays. Uh and I talked about this with the host Craig Cohen. The fact of the matter is, is that this is a credibility issue, an accountability issue when it comes to Hall of Fame writers. You know, there were writers who voted for Billy Wagner last year, but not this year. And there, I saw an interview with a guy, or I read an interview with a guy who said, you know, he didn't really think Billy Wagner was deserving of the Hall of Fame, <clears throat> but, you know, he was a good guy. And so he was going to put him on his ballot. And I saw somebody else say, well, I don't think he's really in that group, but I don't want to be, you know, I'm going to put him in because I don't want to be on the wrong side of history down the road. It's, it's so weird to me that the hall of fame is made up of writers. Some of whom have certain rules and ideas about the baseball hall of fame and others who have different ideas and rules about the baseball hall of fame. Um, I agree that the Hall of Fame needs to be something that is unique, that is special. Not everyone should get in. But more and more young writers now who are starting to work as Hall of Fame writers and getting votes, they've made some interesting points. You know, any Hall of Fame that doesn't contain Pete Rose and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, is it really a Hall of Fame? Right. Even with the cheating stuff, the you know, and some of it, quote unquote, alleged cheating. Right. Um, it's a, it to me. When you look at Billy Wagner's case. The only reason guys don't want him in or don't think he should be in, I think, is because, number one, a lot of guys don't think relievers should make the Hall of Fame. Specialized relievers. There's just a lot of guys who think that only like a three or four guys ever, you know, Trevor Hoffman and, you know, uh, uh, Lee Smith, I forget who the other guys are, that only a handful of those guys really deserve to be in, right? There are others who think, well, he didn't do so well in the postseason. Well, he didn't have many opportunities in the postseason, right? Some say, well, he left too early, 
right? He pitched like 15 or 16 seasons, but he left too soon. He should have kept pitching. He was still good at the end. Um, so it, it's these sort of weird rules. And But if you look at the numbers, if you look at the stats, and particularly the advanced stats, which I know a lot of these guys don't like, he is as good as any reliever in the history of baseball. And he's got some of the better pitching numbers among all pitchers in terms of baseball. So I, look, his 10th and like final shot before he would have to get in with like the old quote, the old school veterans committee. I don't think they call it that anymore. The next year. And the fact that he only came up five votes shy does speak to the fact that he will probably get the 75% necessary to get in next year. But it's ridiculous that it's taken this long. And I, and I hope, I hope that with some of the newer, younger writers coming in who appreciate some of the different analytics and things like that, that some of this will change and we'll start to see guys get into the hall, you know, or even get on the ballot who maybe might not have before because, you know, of the eye test. I mean, in some ways it reminds me of those scenes in Moneyball where Billy Bean is trying to explain what they're doing and all these old guys are like, well, his girlfriend's ugly, so he doesn't have confidence, you know, and he's, you know, it, it, all that stuff that sounds so weird and antiquated. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for all of it in baseball, both analytics and the eye test. But when it comes to Hall of Fame, there maybe there's a, they need to dig a little deeper, right? And certainly for Billy Wagner, I hope that next year is his year. Um, because he's deserving. And I think, you know, certainly all Astros fans recognize this. Uh, and I think a lot of people in baseball recognize it too. And I think it's just a matter of time before they hopefully finally figure it out. Speaking of relievers, let's dig into the Astros' biggest signing of the offseason, Josh Hader. The Astros signed him to a $95 million deal. First of all, can we just cut the Jim Crane is cheap crap now? I mean, come on. Like everybody – and. I understand that people like, oh, well, he's going to run up against the luxury tax. Who cares? He's rich. Let him spend whatever. You know, I've made points about this in the past, about how it is. He's not doing, he's not being cheap. He's being smart with his money, especially given how well the Astros have done, uh, you know, over the course of the last seven, eight, nine years. Um but look, he went out and signed Josh Hader, the best closer on the market, probably the maybe the best closer in baseball. Um, it, it was a crazy signing. I don't think it was something that any of us saw coming. I think we all knew they needed some bullpen help, given the fact that Phil Maton and at the time, I think no one had signed. Now Hector Neris has signed with the Cubs, I think, on a one-year deal. But Maton's not going to be back. Ryan Stanek's not going to be back. And... Despite the fact, and we're going to get into some of those people that might end up being in the bullpen uh, here in just a bit. Uh, despite the fact that their bullpen may have some starting arm talent in it, just because of the the depth of starters that they have, um, you know, it, it's reasonable to say, hey, uh, if they lose Naris, they're losing their seventh inning guy. Now they've got a new ninth inning guy. Now speaking of that. This probably moves Ryan Presley into the setup role. I don't think this is – obviously, he he talked to them about it, and he said he's all in. And I think this is probably the smart move, right? Um, and maybe you flip-flop them at times. Maybe Hader comes in uh, 
you know, in in the eighth, uh, because because of the lefty on lefty situation, the Astros, hey, they have a lefty in the bullpen for the first time in what feels like forever. Um, at least I, I should say a, a lefty that, you know, with real stuff. Um, I think the more interesting is what's going to happen with Brian Abreu. I think this means Brian Abreu becomes your seven, your your seventh inning guy, which is great. And he's an amazing setup man. But it does come up with the question of if Abreu continues to be great, wasn't he really the heir apparent to Ryan Presley for the for the closer role? And if he's and now that we've got Hater, is that has that changed? Now look, also Abreu has started. He started early in his career, so there is a question mark about. Well, does he have the stuff to maybe eventually move into a starter's role if you change some of those things around? So I think that one's a more interesting question than Presley. Presley's gotten he's you know I think he's thirty six or thirty seven, and he's you know winding down his contract here with the Astros. Uh, I think he's going to be fine with whatever. This certainly gives them arguably the best seven, eight, nine relief situation in baseball. And if some of their, if they can round out their bullpen, if they have some, you know, and we, and we can talk about some of the other guys that, you know, that are, you know, potentially on that, on that list, this could be a very formidable bullpen, never mind the fact that we're going to be dealing with an incredible starting rotation depth. Um, so I want to talk a, a little bit about something that I wrote about today for the Houston Press, and that is the idea that the Astros window is closing. Um, and I want to talk about this a little bit because it really does dovetail into this pitching and and what they did with Josh Hader. Like there was, you could make the argument, hey, they lost Hector Neris, uh, they lost Kendall Graveman for the season with an injury. Excuse me, I'm still getting over a cold here. Um, so the question at that point, you start thinking, okay, they they're missing these guys. What are they going to do? With you know, they were so dominant seven, eight, nine with Naris and Abreu and Presley. What are they going to do now? And also, Presley, their closer, you know, he's coming up on free agency. Well, they signed Josh Hader and ended that discussion instantaneously. But then, when you look at it, you think, okay, all these narratives, the national narrative as well, the you know, the Astros' window is closing, and they love to have these conversations, right? But I think one that's interesting about the Astros, and I'm going to go down the list here. I think they have set themselves up to keep that window pried open for quite a while. And I'll tell you why. When you look at the roster, and I did this in in my story today, I broke down the roster by position. And when you look at the positions, the two biggest concerns really in the next two seasons are going to be third base and first base. Let me run because let me just run through them. At catcher, you have Yiner Diaz, right? Yiner Diaz is, you know, he's essentially going to be a rookie. I mean, he was a rookie last year, and there everything is looking up for that. At second, you have Jose Altuve, who's likely going to sign a long-term extent, uh, uh, probably the last deal of his career, and is still playing extremely well. You also have Mauricio Dubon, who's backing him up who's the best utility guy in baseball, the, a gold glove utility player. You have Jeremy Pena at shortstop, who hopefully he can come back. And ha- he had a good season last year just without the power numbers. 
uh, if you can get, bring back some of those power numbers, then you're set at shortstop. Then you have Chaz McCormick and left field. I think Chaz and left field is going to be something else. He's very good defensively already uh, in center field. Also, he's going to back up Jake Myers in center. So if Jake Myers struggles or whatever, the Astros also, by the way, have Pedro Leon in camp this year, who has been raking over the offseason. And we're going to talk about some prospects here in a second. Then it, uh, then you have DH of Jordan at DH who also backs up in left field, right? Now, and we talked to and Kyle Tucker's and the three guys who were looking at us, Tucker's in right, Jose Abreu at first, Alex Bregman at third. So Jose Abreu, he's, his just time is going to run. You know, he's, it's his two more years on this deal, and he's probably either going to retire or move on. Um, so that is one place where they don't, they don't have, the Astros don't have a ton of infielders, which is, I mentioned Kyle Tucker. If they're unable to or unwilling to sign him to a long-term deal, the Astros have a really, they are kind of stocked in the outfield in the minor leagues. Pedro Leon, Jacob Melton, who's going to get a, a, a shot in training camp this year. He's their number one prospect. Didn't make it onto the uh, M- MLB's top 100, but made it onto Baseball America's top 100 prospects. He's a, really a quintessential, you know, like a quintessential, maybe not the right word. He is a prototypical thing. That's the word I'm looking for. He is a prototypical right fielder, a lefty right fielder with good speed on the base paths and an un- unorthodox swing. Sound like anybody, you know? Um, so as, as bad as it would be to lose a, a really great player like Kyle Tucker, there are some players they can do something about. It's first and third where you have to wonder. The Astros are not loaded with infielders. So third base is the biggest problem because they don't really have a third baseman in the farm system. They have a guy named Zach DiZenzo. He play, he's a power-hitting right-hander uh, who plays primarily third base. He's been only up to double-A. He'll probably be at Sugar Land at triple-A this year. Uh, kind of a you know really big, strong guy with some athleticism. Has shown some aptitude at third uh, not the strongest arm, but has been good defensively overall. So he could be your heir apparent, although he's not somebody you're looking at and going, ooh, you know, this is your this is your new Alex Bregman. Because I think everybody understands that Alex Bregman's gonna test out free agency in the offseason. He could be back. I'd say it's unlikely. Um, so third base, eh, we're not really sure there. First base, there's not really a lot going on in the farm system at first base either. So one of these guys, now Abreu will still be here two more seasons. So next year, your big concern will be replacing third base. That might need to come in free agency, right? The Astros may need to consider a free agent acquisition there uh, if they don't think DeZenzo's ready or if they don't have anybody else in the farm system. They also could make a deal during the year to pick up a prospect at third that would be your potential replacement for Alex Bregman. And you still have Abreu. But when you look at, like, at least for the next couple of seasons, the Astros are in pretty good shape. You look at, you know, starting pitching, they are loaded, even if they were to lose Framer Valdez and Justin Verlander retires, let's say. They're still talking about Christian Javier and Hunter Brown and Luis Garcia when he comes back from injury and Lance McCullers when he comes back from injury and JP France. Um, never mind Spencer Aragetti, who's going to be up in camp and looks like poised pretty much to be ready for the major leagues very soon. Um, so, and then you have a bullpen that's loaded. So this whole idea of this window closing to me, what it really boils down to is it's a 
it's a conversation that I think people want to have because the Astros have been good for so long. How can they continue it? But I think what they've done, and I think it's been, you know, kind of interesting is that they kind of, it's they have these waves. The first wave of players were the George Springer, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa. That was that first sort of generational wave, Alex Bregman, right? Now they're moving into kind of this second generational wave that's Jordan Alvarez and Jeremy Pena and Yiner Diaz, right? Potentially Pedro Leon, uh, potentially Jacob Melton, potentially Spencer Arigetti, Hunter Brown, right? Um, it feels as if they've got these kind of waves because the Astros don't have a deep farm system. But, but, this is the but, they do have a lot of top-end talent in their farm system. So if they're able to start replenishing some of that as they go with draft picks and and the international signing, although I don't know if you guys have read anything about that, but there's a big mess with that because a lot of the Dominican players lied about their age I brought back memories of Tony Eusebio, who everybody was like, oh, Tony Eusebio is 36 years old. Like, I always think of that from coming to America. You know, Frank Sinatra sat in my chair. He said, Joe Lewis, Joe Lewis, 137 years old. It's like Tony Eusebio was at least 40. And like, by the, when he was 30, he was 40. Uh, but anyway, there, there were some issues there. But I think the Astros overall, like, I don't think it's as dire as people think it is. Now, are they going to have to make some critical decisions over the next couple of seasons? Absolutely. Are they going to need to rebuild their farm system? 100%. So there's not, it's not without risk. But I just think when you look at their top tier talent and sort of where they're building from, especially when you've got a guy like Jordan who's could be in the MVP conversation every single season, you start the and you start thinking to yourself, all right, these are guys who are poised to continue to be very good. And so I think that whole you know, this whole closing window, it's, it's a metaphor that's overused anyway. I feel like maybe people need to reevaluate that and reconsider what they're talking about. This, maybe, maybe they're wrong. And also a lot of that comes from the national media who, let's be honest, it, it's they're looking at the macro, not the micro. They're going, oh, well, Jose Altuve is, you know, getting to the end of his career. Is he? Uh, Jose Abreu is probably going to retire. Justin Verlander is going to be gone. All these core pieces, blah, blah, blah. They're talking about Hector Neris, how important he was in the clubhouse, and Michael Brantley. Okay, sure. But doesn't anybody also think that Jose Altuve is a pretty big deal in the clubhouse and that guys like Alex Bregman are kind of big deals in the clubhouse and that Jordan Alvarez is kind of a big deal? I I think, again, again, I'm not saying that it won't take work or that there aren't issues that they're going to have to deal with. I'm just saying reports of their demise have been somewhat overblown, right? Okay, now speaking of that, we are... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are getting pitchers and catchers report on Valentine's Day, you guys. That's two weeks from now, right? Two freaking weeks. I know this also because my wife's birthday is as fe- uh, February twelfth. It's two days before Valentine's Day, uh, and it will 
it's going to be a lovely birthday, I think. And the, her birthday is the day after the Super Bowl. So it's going to be like Super Bowl, birthday, Valentine's Day. It's going to be a hell of a good week, I think, actually, in that week. But, and, and Astros report, pitchers and catchers report. So let's talk, I want to talk about some of the pitching prospects that are going to be in camp this year and some guys that are kind of, I think, under the radar worth paying attention to that maybe we haven't really, that maybe you haven't really thought about. So first of all, I want to start just by looking at their, uh, at their pitching sort of quote unquote prospects. And I'd start with Forrest Whitley. <laughs> I wrote in a story last week, uh, about Forrest Whitley, you know, he's not at ranked on their prospect list. He's 26 years old and raise your hand. If you looked at this and you, you heard that he's 26 and said, there's no way I thought he was at least 36, right? As long as he has been in the Astros pipeline. But here's the thing. Whitley is going to try and make the transition to relief pitching. He has the stuff to do it. Right. And you kind of think, okay, with all his injury woes and then he had the suspension and all that, maybe relief is the way to go. He can come in and blast away for a couple of innings and, you know, take it from there. Obviously he has to stay healthy, um, which has been, you know, a problem for him, but apparently he did. He is really in this mindset. You've read, I don't know if you've read anything about it. Uh, and the Astros themselves, you know, from a pitching coach standpoint and from the general manager standpoint have said, they believe that Whitley could have a very promising go of it as a reliever. Well, he's going to get his shot this year in camp. And that just adds to a pretty deep relief core that the Astros have right now. I mean, when you think about, you know, like we can just go through this because I want to go through the starters and the relievers with you. And I kind of want to, you know, sort of look at that. We talked a little bit like if you look at the relievers right right now, you have Josh Hader, Ryan Presley, Brian Abreu. We know that now we've got Whitley on there. But here are the guys that are not prospects. Rafael Montero's back. Now, look, Montero was good in two different parts of the season and then absolutely abysmally awful in one part of the season. So the question is, can he connect those two, the end and beginning of the year when he was actually quite good? Then there's some other guys that, that are going to sneak into this bullpen conversation. Dylan Coleman. Remember, they traded for him from Kansas City. Seth Martinez, right? He came up and pitched a couple of times over the last couple of seasons and has had good stints up here. Then there are a couple of guys like who they've claimed off waivers over the last year. Oliver Ortega, who was a guy they claimed off waivers from the Minnesota Twins in October. And then the other one, Bennett Souza. They claimed him off of waivers last September uh, from the Chicago White Sox. Or is White Sox or the Tigers? It's White Sox. So here's the thing. Both of those guys, like uh, Sousa pitched a little bit for the Astros last year. It was not bad in relief. Uh, Oliver Ortega didn't. But there are, there are some guys within the organization who feel like Oliver Ortega could be solid in relief for the Astros. So that's already a number of guys. Then... You look at the prospects that are coming in. All right, let's start with Spencer Arigetti. Their third-ranked prospect, he's 24 years old. Arigetti is, is a presumptive starter, right? Now, will he start out in the bullpen, or would the Astros rather just keep him at AAA and let him, 
you know, marinate and gain some experience. He didn't pitch a ton at Sugarland last year. He split his time between Corpus Christi and Sugarland. He had a 4.4 ERA and 124 innings. He struck out 141, walked 59. Uh, he still has some command issues, but he's got a mid 90s fastball and a really good sweeper, right? So this is a guy who you look at and you think he's a legitimate guy that could come in and start for this team, but maybe you bring him in as a call up, let him play, you know, play in the bullpen, sort of see where it goes from there. I'm going to be very interested to see sort of how that goes. Uh, watching Spencer Ergetti. He is obviously a guy who you expect to see in the rotation by 2025. Whether he can do it in 2024, we'll see. You know, we'll see. A couple other guys to keep your eye on. Colton Gordon, he's their seventh-ranked prospect. He's 25 years old. He will probably spend some time in AAA. But interesting, he's had some struggles with injuries, but he's a lefty, right? Um Another lefty in the bullpen can um, Parker Mashinsky also is another guy that that is a possibility there. I mean, could the Astros have more than one lefty in their bullpen this year? That'd be weird. It'd be super weird. So Golden Gordon, excuse me, Gordon Colton Gordon is an interesting guy because he's kind of projects towards like the back of rotation starter, potentially a long reliever, very solid pitcher with with pretty good control and. Last year, he had 151 strikeouts and 58 walks across AA and AAA. So he'll probably spend most of his season in AAA, but that's a guy to keep your eye on as somebody who could get a call up or maybe be uh, in the uh, rotation for the Astros, either in the bullpen or potentially back end starter in 2025. Rhett Kuba is another guy. This guy's interesting. He's, he's their ninth prospect, he's 24 years old. He was a 12th round pick in 2021, but he's been moving up pretty quickly through the rankings. What's interesting about this kid is that he has really, really good command for his age, and he has a very high strikeout rate. He kind of reminds me of like a Phil Maton type because he's not going to blow you away. He's got a low 90s fastball, but he he has good strikeout pitches, and he he's a guy you could see as an injury replacement reliever or something like that. Then the last guy on my prospect list is, uh, I think it's Mizial, Mizael, Mizael Tamaras. He's 24. He's their 30th ranked prospect. He'll probably be in Sugarland this year. The thing about Tamaras that's interesting is he's got a 99 mile an hour fastball. He's he's second on the in the farm system last year in strikeouts, but he's still early in his career, even though he's 24. He's going to spend all his time at Sugarland this year, most likely. He needs to get his control, get better control of his pitches, but he is a flamethrower. So these are all sort of options, right? These are all guys that you could see, you know, uh, when you look at these. Op- and then we didn't even mention Renel Blanco, right? Um, and when we talk about some of these guys, like the guy we, the Bennett Souza, they claimed that's another lefty, guys, lefties. Astros could have lefties in their bullpen this year. It's amazing. And not just throw them out there lefty on lefty, right? But have good use of their left-handed pitching. So anyway, I, my point being is that the pitchers and catchers, and and look, let's quickly, I'm just going to quickly go over the starters. 
Verlander, Valdez, Christian Javier, who, by the way, apparently somebody said they saw him at a uh, recent games, Rice maybe game. And he is like looking buff as hell. Apparently he's been working out all uh, off season. So fingers crossed on that. Hunter Brown, who is going to look to have a bounce back. Uh, he struggled a bit in his rookie season, but he may, and he, I saw an article where he said the main problem is, you know, uh, longevity, being able to pitch more innings. He probably should be able to do that this year. JP France, who was Mr. Basically savior last year for the Astros, Jose Urquidy, who often is a forgotten man, but is pitched very well for them at times. And then don't forget halfway through the season, we're going to get Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers Jr. Back. Now, what does that mean for Lance McCullers Jr.? I don't know. I mean, the guy can't stay healthy, but Luis Garcia was dealing when he went out with his injury last year. If he can come back at even two-thirds of where he was, he's going to be a really welcome addition. But you look at that, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's eight starters in what's going to be, you know, probably a five- or six-man rotation. So somebody's probably going to end up in the bullpen and somebody's probably going to end up getting sent down. You could see JP France going back down to AAA, right? He still has options left. But then what do you do? If Spencer Argetti shows up and starts pitching lights out, then what do you do? This is an area where you got to assume that the Astros could make a trade from at some point. They have an over, they have a, a boatload of people there. This is a position of strength for them. You could see that might be a place where they'd make a deal. So pitchers and catchers, you know, we haven't talked about Yiner Diaz or or uh, Victor uh, Victor Caratini. Uh, they're two catchers who are coming into camp and who are going to be. Uh, I, I can't wait to see Yiner Diaz play every day. I really, really can't. Um, but look, when you look at the pitchers, pitching staff for the Astros, it's it's going to be good. Now the question is just how do all the parts fit together? That's going to be the key. How do all the parts fit together? Are they able to sort of find their rotation of the bullpen other than that seven, eight, and nine? Uh, they have enough depth that they can withstand injury. Um, but, and then what are they going to do in the starting rotation? How are they going to shake that out and find really, I, it's going to be five guys. Look, Verlander doesn't like pitching on long rest. I, I would love to see him pitch every, you know, sixth day instead of fifth day, give him a little more time off. I know. Pitchers, it's routine is a big deal for them, but the rest part I think is going to be valuable. So it's going to be interesting to see what decisions they make. GM Dana Brown has his work cut out for him, no doubt. Um, you know, and then we'll see how the prospects come along. Again, this is not a deep farm system, but it has some pretty good top level talent. And this is the kind of this is uh, an off season that's going to be really interesting. I don't know that there are very many spots for prospects to come in and make a make a name for themselves. Definitely, you could see if Pedro Leon comes in and, and is raking like he has been in the offseason in winter ball, then you could definitely see him making a play. Kind of in the way Corey Jolks did last year, who, by the way, will be in camp again, right? Um, and and frankly, John Singleton will be back in camp again. Uh, so we've got some interesting you know names that are going to be on this. And I'll, I'll next week, I'll dig a little bit more into the full list of who's going to be at camp, uh, you know, who we might want to keep an eye on, uh, and then any, obviously, new developments and what's going on with the Astros. But So back on a regular weekly basis, back here to talk Astros with you guys. Um, 
If you have questions, if you have comments, if you have anything you want to say, please, by all means, for the, in the, those watching the video, leave those comments. Like and subscribe so uh, we can keep up with you. Um, otherwise, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. Um, and we'll keep on coming back to you with more pods brought to you by Bet Online. Look, give us a follow on Twitter, uh, X, whatever. Are you, is anybody call it X? I mean, legitimately? Anyway, we're on there. <laughs> we're also on Insta. Uh, you can find me at Jeff Falky Blummers at Blummer27, all over social media. Um, and I just want to say thanks to everyone. I know we've been out for a little bit. Look, we needed a winter break like everybody else probably needed a winter break. Um, but back now, uh, I am ready for this season. I think this is going to be an exciting season for the Astros. Look, brand new manager. We've got Yiner Diaz catching. We're gonna, there's going to be some new decision-making in this building when it comes to how players are played. We're not going to see Chaz McCormick just relegated to the bench like he was last year. Chaz McCormick is going to get a chance to play. And considering he had, what, the third or fourth best OPS on the entire team last year, he has a chance to have a real legitimate season. And if they're playing him mostly in left field, where defensively he should be excellent, um, it, it can make – and look, who knows? If Pedro Leon comes up and rakes and you've got some young players making bids uh, for getting – time in the outfield or, or other positions around the field, this could be a very fun season. And look, let's be honest, the Astros might be busy at the trade deadline. They're going to have a few things that they can, they're going to have a few places where they can make moves. They can make moves either to strengthen their farm system. They can make moves to consider what they're going to do if Alex Bregman is going to leave. Um, I'm sure they have a pretty good read on what his situation is, what kind of money he's going to want, whatever else. So I'm ready for the season, you guys. We still have a little bit of time, but spring training is almost on us right down the line. So obviously, send us your questions, your comments. Love seeing all of them and super, super uh, happy to hear from everyone. Thanks so much for following, liking, subscribing, sending us comments, all that stuff. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And as always, after we'll see you next week. Go Astros. 